May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words coming out of my mouth be acceptable. A man was driving down a two-lane highway where somebody had thrown a bag of trash out. And most of the trash, because of all the traffic, had blown off the road and was lying alongside the road, except for one plastic cup, which was sitting right between the two center lines, almost perfectly centered. He saw this from a ways off because the road was straight and he could see a long way. He noticed that the cup, every time a car passed by, would move. It would roll to the opposite side. And then when a car came from the other direction, it would roll back toward the center. And then when two cars passed at the same time and there was that wind that was turbulent, it would go in all different directions and go wild. It didn't know which way to go. I think sometimes in life we're kind of like that paper cup. We're blown by the wind. Wouldn't it be great if we could every day of our lives be so focused, so certain, so determined that we made each moment of our day meaningful, powerful? Today we're going to take a look at the story of the very first Pentecost, the church's birthday where we see how we can have Pentecostal power in our lives and in our families and how we can have power in our church. Most of you know the story well. You hear it at least once a year. I hope you read your Bible so you hear it a little bit more often than just once a year. But at least you hear it once a year. And on the day of Pentecost, the followers of Jesus, it tells us we're all together in one place. Well, I won't go into why they were there, but uh, they, they had come for a reason and they were staying for a while. And then it says that suddenly there was a, came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole place where they were gathered together and they were sitting. And then suddenly came something like tongues of fire resting on each of them. Wow, that sounds like quite an experience, doesn't it? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages. That day, Jerusalem was filled with devout people from many nations. And when they heard the teachings, I'm sorry, when they heard the followers of Jesus telling their stories, each of the foreigners heard them tell about the great acts of God. They heard it in their own language. And they were amazed because they knew that the people who were speaking were uneducated, unsophisticated Galileans. So they asked, how can this be? How can they be speaking my language? Something spectacular, something life-changing, something world-shaking happened on that first Pentecost day. Wouldn't it be nice if we could tap just a little bit into the power that was present in that place that day. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just get a little bit of that Holy Spirit here? Well, I'm not going to talk specifically about what happened and how it happened this morning, 
But I want to talk about three things that I believe were miracles that took place at the first Pentecost. First of all, we see in this story the miracle of communication. I talked a little bit about that already. People from different nations heard the followers of Jesus in their own language, though the people speaking didn't know those languages. I want you to notice something here. Jesus' followers were speaking in languages they'd never heard before. But they were not speaking in unknown languages. They were unknown to them. They were speaking in the exact tongues of people who were listening so that they were able to understand. This communication was not restricted to a few. I want you to notice that. I think it's an important point. One of the things about this denomination that we, all, that we belong to, that I'm very proud of, is that we are an inclusive denomination. We say we believe and we live and we practice here at Zion that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no, no matter what your beliefs, no matter what you might have done in the past, no matter how much you think you're not worthy, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome to be amongst us and to be a part of this family. But that day, there was that same spirit. It was opened up to everyone that was present. It's important because in this day and age, I think sometimes we as Christians tend to speak in code. If you're not part of the group, sometimes you don't understand what's being said. Do you guys know how long it took me to figure out what a narthex was? I had no idea what you were talking about when I first started coming here. I don't know what a narthex is, or what was the other one? The sacristy. That one I just learned not too long ago. I think Pastor Kay taught me that one. No idea what these, some of these terms mean. But, you know, it, it, sometimes we hear the same words or the same abbreviations over and over again, and we just assume that other people understand what we're talking about. You know, they hear the words, but they can't relate because they don't know what in the world we're talking about. By the way, the narthex is a little room in the back there as you're coming in. Just wanted to prove that I do know what it is now. And pastors, I think, are really, really guilty of this. Very often. We hear it in Pastor Kay's going, yep. You might have heard a pastor who spoke 20 minutes on sin but never said what sin is. Never defined it. You hear all these little uh, acronyms. When pastors have conversations, when I sit in a, on, a, on a Zoom or on a conference and I hear some of these, uh, I have to stop them and say, what, what are you talking about? What is it? What is that? You know? uh, we, we tend to um, forget that there are some folks who don't know what all that means. And so we need to learn to make it more understandable for folks around us and anybody who might be visiting or who might be uh, new here or anywhere, anywhere, any group we're in. Um, I, you know, some, some of you might wonder why I use so many stories in my sermon. I love to use stories. Well, I do that because I want everyone listening to understand what I'm saying. I want them to know what I'm talking about. I want the message to be understood by old people and young people alike. 
Um, I don't always accomplish that goal, but that's what I'm trying to do when I tell stories. We, we forget other things, but very often if a story is meaningful to us, we remember it. And it helps us to remember the idea behind why that story was told. Because everybody can understand a story. And the miracle of Pentecost, number one is, first of all, is a miracle of communication. There was a pastor who was on a mission trip in Belarus where his team was helping build churches and helping the folks uh, learn to grow food and so forth. And his translator and his guide was a man named Edgar. And Edgar told the pastor that these words, they spoke Russian there, and so he told them that these words, das vidanya and paka, were old words for goodbye. Don't use those words. If you want to impress the, past, the other pastors, use this other word. And then he told them what to say. He told them, get with the times. You know, you'll sound like you know what you're talking about if you say goodbye this way. And so they were helping several churches. And at the end of uh, meeting with each of the, of the churches and meeting with each pastor afterwards, he used uh, the, the phrase that he had learned, which was valit et suda. And he said that every time before he left. And he could tell by the looks on their faces that they were quite impressed until the last pastor took him aside and said, why did you tell me to get lost at the end of the meeting? <laughs> when we're communicating with someone in another language, we need to be very precise. Even in our own language, we, the better we communicate, the more understood we will be. Miscommunication can be very embarrassing. Like the story about the couple who were going out for the evening. They called a taxi and they put the cat out for the evening while they were gone. The taxi arrived and as they were walking out the door, the cat ran back in. Well, they didn't want the cat in the house when they weren't home. So the wife went out to the taxi while the husband went inside and had to go upstairs to chase the cat back outside. Well, the wife, not wanting it known that the house would be empty, said to the taxi driver, my husband's just going upstairs to say goodbye to my mother. A few minutes later, the husband climbs into the cab and he says, I'm sorry I took so long. That stupid old thing was hiding under the bed and I had to poke her with a coat hanger to get her to come out. <laughs> That's miscommunication. Probably could be embarrassing. Years ago, radio broadcaster Mort Krim and his producer were taping a documentary in Cairo, Egypt. And this was not long after the president of Egypt, uh, Anwar Sadat, had been assassinated. And they hoped to include in their documentary an interview with Sadat's widow. And so the producer was making a phone call back to his superiors at the station in the United States. And he mentioned that he thought they had a pretty good shot at Mrs. Sadat tonight. Well, within minutes, the Egyptian police force were at their door. The phones were being tapped and they heard those words. They didn't understand American slang, and so they were alarmed by the comment that they had a good shot at Sadat's widow. Of course, we know what they meant, but they had some fast explaining to do before they uh, almost got sent to jail. You never know who might be listening to your words or how they might interpret what you say. The miracle of Pentecost 
was a miracle of communication. Pentecost was also a miracle of connection. The followers of Jesus connected with their audience. Have you ever heard a speaker in his or her language is eloquent? You won't hear that here very often. And he or she has good stories to tell. But somehow, the words just kind of seem to fly right by you. They really don't stick. Communications experts say that that's a problem of connection. They tell us that this is the most important part of the communication process. Does the speaker connect with the audience? Someone asked me this morning if I could tell how, how much they're listening to what I have to say when I'm up here and how much they're daydreaming and they're elsewhere. I said, yeah, I thought so. I won't call them out, I do that too often. But this person said to me, well, what about me then? How often do I? I said, oh, you're here about 50% of the time and the rest of the time you're daydreaming. He said, oh, he's pretty good. But you, communication is important, how it comes from the speaker. And sometimes, sometimes, in fact, very often, the best communication is to say absolutely nothing at all. Not a word. Ed Young, in his book called Romancing the Home, suggests that husbands learn two techniques for listening to their wives. And I definitely do share these techniques with any potential husbands, husbands-to-be when we have meetings. There's the hold the bucket technique and the mirror stance. You see, there's a difference between men and women. I don't know if you all have ever noticed that, but there's a difference between the way they handle things and handle problems. Men are fixers. So when women talk about their problems, men usually want to fix it. They want to come up with a solution, they want to give them a good solution. Here's what, here's what you should do. But women, when they talk about their problems, what they're really wanting to do is sort through their feelings, and they're wanting to look at the problem from all different angles. They don't want a solution as much as they want. What is it that you ladies want? You want understanding, right? Understanding. You want empathy, right? Yeah, some of the ladies are shaking their heads. Yep. And the best thing for a man to do when his wife or his partner has a problem is to hold the bucket. Just hold the bucket out there. Let her express her thoughts. Let her express her emotions. Don't offer any advice. Don't offer any judgment. That's really important. No judgment. Restate what she says. Let her express it. The mirror stance is this. It's good psychology no matter what, no matter who you're talking to. Listen, listen, use your ears. Pay attention to what she's saying. And then when she's finished, say it back to her in your own words. This allows her and you to clarify her emotions and her feelings and to know that she is understood because that's what's important is that she's understood. Both of these forms of listening will make, I guarantee you, for a happier marriage. 
they will also make her feel more loved and more respected. Now, can you see how powerful this idea of connection is? When you do that, you achieve that connection. If you want to be more powerful in your communication, first of all, shut up. Stop talking. Listen to the other person. You need to just for a few minutes walk in his or her shoes. That way, when you speak, you're not just mouthing words or you're not just saying what you think you're supposed to say, but you're connecting at a deep level. And this isn't just about marriages and partnerships. This is about all sorts of relationships in life. Writer Stephen Covey put it this way. He said, we seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think that's very true. This is what God did in sending Jesus. God put our shoes on. God walked where we walk. By doing that, God built a connection between his people and him. Now, it doesn't always work for us, of course. There were some there that day, I'm sure, who heard the disciples testifying and thought they were drunk. That's what it says. They didn't hear anything at all that was meaningful. They missed it. And they were probably people who had no difficulty understanding the disciples' words. Maybe there was just no connection. The miracle of Pentecost was as much about listening as it was about speaking. A southern mom was explaining to her young son why all their relatives from the north talk funny. And she said, they have a different accent. Everybody talks different ways up north. To them, we sound like we talk very slow and all of our words are drawn out. And her son said, you mean they hear funny too? <laughs> Not everybody who listened to the apostles on that first Pentecost understood what they were saying. Only those who were connected. Pentecost is about communication. It's about connection, listening, as well as speaking. And finally, Pentecost is about cooperation. You know what happened following the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost? Daily, new people were added to the church. They grew closer to one another. It says they shared everything. They ate together, they prayed together, they sang together. They were a team in a new way and in every way. The movie Apollo 13, I think it was, I think it came out in the 80s if I remember right. It commemorated the 25th anniversary of the famous space flight starring Tom Hanks. The movie played in sold out theaters across the country. But it was more than just retelling the story of what happened that day with Apollo 13. The movie inspired people with a sense of joy and pride and working together to achieve a common goal, a goal that's worth achieving. The flight of Apollo 13 was troublesome, to say the least. An explosion on board the ship forced a change of plans to land on the moon. Now the goal 
was simply to get everybody back home safe, get the astronauts home. And in that spacecraft, those three astronauts shared their talents and their gifts and their abilities together. Experience, they shared their experience, their energy to create a focused, tight-knit unit which had one goal in mind, and that was to get back home safely. And because of the cooperation of the people and other people that were involved, the people on the ground and the three astronauts together, they were able to get that crippled cap captured, get capsule back to the Earth, and they were able to come home safely. They cooperated. It's been shown time and time again. When people at work as a team, they can achieve amazing things. We here in this church for years and years, and I say we, not including me, for most of those years, have accomplished some amazing things and continue to do that because we do work together as a team. Here's how Rudyard Kipling put it. Now, this is the law of the jungle, as old and true as the sky, and the wolf that keeps it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back, and the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. That's an important thought. The strength of the wolf is the pack. Want to know how to build a great business? Want to know how to have a great family? Want to know how to have a great church? Learn the meaning of these three words. Communication. Connection. Cooperation. Those are three signs that the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. Those are three signs that the Holy Spirit is present in our church. May we learn to do these things. May we learn to be good communicators. May we get better at listening. May we get better at connection, at cooperation, working with one another, working with other churches, other organizations as we do. If we do these things, we can't help but get a little spark of all that was going on on that first day of Pentecost. May we just get a small portion of what was going on that day in the days to come. I'm looking forward to good days ahead. We're moving in the right direction. We're able to gather together again. After all those Sundays where I sat here and preached at the camera and these seven poor people that had to come and listen to me every Sunday who helped make it all happen. And now here we are, back together again. Better days are coming. I look forward to the rest of 2021. And 2022 is going to be a great year. We did it. We're making it. Remember way back in the beginning of all this? When I said we would? 
I don't know if you believed me or not. I don't know if I believed me or not. But we did. Our people were faithful. God was faithful. Now let's continue to do the same thing that those folks that first day of Pentecost were doing. And then after that, all the work that continued to be done and is done up till today. Amen.